The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. I'm going to invite you to, uh, if you brought your Bibles, please open them up to uh, James chapter 1. Uh, of course, you can open up on the uh, Axe Church app. If you pick, uh, click on the reading, it should open up to this uh, section, of, and it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, we're starting a new series on practical faith. We are blessed to have Grant Carey, a professor at Concordia, do the message today, and he's going to base his uh, message on these verses, if you would follow along with me, starting with verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind." For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is the end of our scripture reading. Oh, I gotcha. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, Like Drew said, my name is Grant. I'm one of the elders here and and, uh, privileged to come speak today and and share. Um, We just finished a series on life's big questions. And there were these big like existential, like what is the meaning of life and what happens when I die and all these kinds of big things. And and now we're shifting gears and going the complete opposite way of what does it look like to live out life every day, right? And and how do we do that? And so we're going to, for the next 10 weeks, go through the book of James. uh, And we've got different speakers. And this is what I really love of being like in this pastoral vacancy is that you get to hear a lot of different voices. And some you've heard before, some you haven't heard. So um, I'm really excited for the next 10 weeks here as we uh, get into practical faith in the book of James, right? Um, But as we get into this, um, we start off in James talking about trials and suffering, right? Those words can kind of be intertwined um, in the, the original language, but trials and suffering starts off right with a bang, right? And if you've read the news recently, you know some of the, the suffering or trials that have been happening, and, and maybe you can relate in ways, but uh, one of my favorite uh, sportscasters, Chris Berman, his wife just died in a car accident this week, and uh, he's the, the guy that's famous for saying, you know, back, 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 gone, right? You know that one, or uh, he could go all the way, yeah, right? Anybody, no, no sports fans? All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, tragically, his wife um, uh, died suddenly, and, and maybe you can relate with um, a sudden death in your family and, and just the, the trials and, and suffering that go on with that. Um, uh, the FBI director was, was fired this week from his job, um, and now he's got to deal with the suffering and trials of what that means to find a new job, a new career, and, and to move on. And, and maybe you can relate in that way of having to, to um, find a new job and just the uncertainty that that brings and, and sometimes the, the, the stress of that. Um, 
this is a big one that, that's happened in the last couple of weeks and months in the Leander School District is that we've actually had a, a couple of suicides and people taking their life, and um, this has become a big issue. And if you've followed the news and media culture of this new TV show called 13 Reasons Why and, and following the, the, um, uh, this girl that, that actually uh, takes her life and then uh, chronicles her story of, of that, and just some real issues of, of what does it look like to lose hope as a, as a teen, and, and how do we help that ec- epidemic here within our own backyard and, and, and really walk through that. And so we've got suffering and trials there. Um, and then one more, this one I heard just a couple days ago of, of a pit bull in Nevada that uh, mauled and killed a six-year-old little baby. Um, and just some of these unexplainable, you know, kind of things of, man, why would that happen? Why, God, you know? And, um, and we're not going to talk so much about the why today. We're going to talk more about, okay, what do we do with it, right? How do we deal with the suffering? And we're not going to talk so much about why God um, or, or why things happen or why, you know, but more of what, all right? So we'll look at this. And, and if we ever need a faith that works and a, a practical faith more than ever, I think it's, it's really today. Um, and so often I think people think politics will solve our problems or, or just pithy little sayings and blog posts and, and, you know, these kinds of things will solve it. But, but I think really the answer, and we'll find this in James, is that the, the answer is Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who, who helps us through our trials and temptations and, and our, our suffering, and um, he is really the answer. And, and so how do we share that with others and, and share that hope um, so that more and more people can, can experience that, that peace that comes with that? So that's what we're going to dig into today. Um, what we have to know about the book of James is it's a letter, so it's written kind of in a letter form. It's also a, it's weird because it's, it's, it's not naturally flowing like a lot of the other letters or books, but it's, it's more of Proverbs, and so even in the verse that we read today, you hear a couple different thoughts, and so if you feel like I'm jumping kind of all over the place, uh, that's why uh, James writes in that, that kind of uh, genre or format. And then also, what you have to know about James is, uh, this is one of the reasons I, I believe in the New Testament and in Christianity, is because of James himself. Uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. Um, it says that, that he, um, we, we don't know for sure what that means, but it probably means that Mary and Joseph had kids after Jesus um, was born, and that this was his half-brother. And we also know that, that um, his brothers didn't like Jesus as they were growing up, right? Who would like the goody two-shoes, like little boy that Gets everything right and it's always perfect, right? Um, <laughs> and everybody's looking up to. Um, and so they didn't like him. They didn't follow Jesus uh, when he was alive and, and claiming and doing his ministry. But what's significant is after he dies and is resurrected, uh, James becomes one of those followers. He's one of the 120 that's listed in Acts chapter 1 um, and, and then ends up writing this book saying, no, guys, you got to listen. This guy really is who he says he is, right? I knew I doubted him before. I was that, you know, jealous little brother, but now, no, you gotta, you gotta believe what Jesus says. And so for me to see that switch um, and to see that historically uh, is a big reason for, for why I think we can really trust the New Testament, right? Um, uh, it was written just about 10 years after Jesus uh, went back up to in the heaven and resurrected. Um, and uh, um, yeah, that's what we got to know. The major theme is a faith that works, a practical faith. And that's, that's what our, our theme is for the next 10 weeks. Um, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So there's a lot of action um, incorporated into that. So, um, all right, we're ready to jump in. Here we go. I hope you have your Bibles or it'll be up on the screen too. But um, the first point I want to make is that you will experience suffering. 
All right, you will experience trials. Uh, the verse right here, right off the bat, from verse chapter or uh, James, verse uh, one, chapter chapter one, verse two says this: uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Right? Not if, but when. Right? You will experience things. James knew this. In the context of this letter, uh, Christians were being persecuted or being there was uncertainty in their faith, and so uh, he knew that was true as it has always been, right? We will always experience some kind of suffering um, because this life is so temporary. And what does that mean? Um, but uh, we have seasons of suffering, right? There are times that go better than others. Um, you will have times of trial, but here's the thing. Yes, we are redeemed people. We do have the hope of the resurrection of Jesus, but that does not mean that we are protected people from suffering. We don't live in a bubble. You ever seen the movie Bubble Boy? We don't, we're not protected from the, the evils or the the hard times of this world, um, or sheltered from the harshness of sin of life, uh, but we have to live through it and walk through it. And that's what I love about Christianity, too, is that there's often times a lot of faiths that try and get you away from that, right? They say, take it away. Uh, you've got, you know, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and, and all these that have nirvana and enlightenment and moksha and all these things that, you know, you eventually want to get away from suffering, and that's the main goal of life, Right? But as Christians, we know our main goal is not to get away, but to know this has happened, this is real. Jesus did say, you will have troubles in this life, but take heart, I have overcome them, right? Um, and so we live in that kind of tension that, yes, trials happen, sufferings happen, but how do we navigate through that and find um, fruit from that? And that's really my second point there, is that we endure this, we don't try to get away from it, because we know that we can grow stronger from it, right? We know that there's good that can come from uh, trials and suffering. Um, oftentimes, we don't always know what that is, but, uh, but yes, we can grow. Um, now, if we believe that this life is all there is, then we're going to try and live up this life, and we're going to live for this life, and we're going to be very selfish in nature. Um, an example, and I'm not trying to pick on him, but this is a story that I, I just read this week also. Uh, Johnny Depp, if you maybe read this story, that he... Um, uh, has made over $650 million from his movies, right? $650 million. I can't even wrap my mind around how much that is. But here are some of the things that he has spent that on. All right, you ready for this? Uh, for every year, it cost him $3.6 million to pay his staff of about 40 people, all right? That's a lot of money. Uh, $2 million a month on bills, all right? $2 million a month on bills. I thought my heating or my cooling bill was, was high. Uh, $75 million on property, including several uh, private islands that he owns. $75 million on private island, or property. And then $18 million on a yacht. So $18 million just on a boat, right? Uh, must be a pretty nice boat. But here's the thing, um, is that I think sometimes when we have money, we, we focus on the world, we try to eliminate suffering as much as possible, and we, we live it up, right? And I'm guilty of this. I'm sure you have times in your life where you are guilty of this, but, but we, we try to eliminate suffering in our life. But eventually, we've got to face it, right? And Johnny Depp, I think, is finding that out now, that, that he's got to um, own up that your money doesn't last forever, that, that eventually you have to deal with the real issues of this world and, and find contentment in that. And, and so what does that look like? Um, now, here's the thing is James also starts off his letter this. He says, hey, guys, uh, find joy in your trials and your suffering, right? Verse 2 says that. Count it all joy. I don't know about you, but I don't always look at those opportunities as, yay, God, thanks for giving this to me, right? Um, but 
but there's fruit that can come out of that. And a lot of that comes from that um, when we realize the pure joy is not about this happiness that we often find in our world, but it's more about a, a depth, a deep faith, right? And some of the most uh, mature Christians and the most uh, people I look up to in their faith are people that have suffered greatly, right? They've gone through the hard times. They've gone through the suddenness of, of trials and suffering that they've had to wrestle with and, and really wrestle with God with. And um, they've come to find a deep peace and a deep-seated um, faith. And so we know that in our suffering, it produces maturity, produces perseverance, produces hope. Um, and so this is one of the reasons that we endure this, right? That there's good that comes out of it and we can grow. Um, one of my favorite verses, or favorite quotes, comes from Richard Foster. Um, and he says this, The desperate need today is not for a great number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. I love that. Um, I work at a college, and yes, we try to make more smart people, intelligent people, um, and we also have athletes and try and make them more gifted and, 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 and make them better at what they do. But ultimately, I think what we, you know, are striving to do is to make more deep people. And, and I think oftentimes um, we in society, we sometimes miss this up, right? We spend a lot of money on, on getting to the best schools or getting the best coaches or the best sports programs. And we oftentimes miss that, you know, how do we find depth, right? And soul, soul care like we do here um, at church um, and in other areas of our life. So um, so yeah, suffering is one of those things that, that refines our faiths and makes, makes us deeper people. Um, and there's often two ways that we react to suffering and trials, right? We can either react um, with despair or we can react with, okay, God, you're refining me. You're making me stronger with this, right? And, and um, not always easy, but, but um, I'll give you an example of this. Um, let's go to the second Corinthians verse. Paul um, Paul wrestled with this a lot too, right? Uh, he, he talks about this thorn in his flesh, and it's not so much a, a literal thorn, but it's more of a, a metaphor for, um, we don't know for sure, but some, some commentaries have suggested that it's, uh, he has a speech impediment, or he has um, a limp, or he's you know, just physically not really attractive, or, or whatever, but there's, there's limitations, there's things that keep him from sharing the gospel effectively what he thinks. And so he thinks, if I get these things taken away, I'll be even better for you, God. And so here's what he says. Uh, so to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Well, that's a pretty uh, harsh way to say it. To harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. All right, so he really wants to get rid of this. He says, no, God, I think I could be better for this if you take this away. But here's God's response. But he said to me, Jesus, God, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. All right, so Paul really got that you know, he didn't fall into despair. He could have easily said, oh, God, take this away from me. God says, no, you need this. Oh, woe is me. God, where are you? God, are you even real? Do you love me? Why do you hate me, right? I think sometimes we can fall in that trap, right? We, we feel like when things don't always go our way or the way we think God should react to our, our suffering, our trials, um, we take that response of despair. But Paul takes this of, okay, God, I get it. Right? I get that you're 
refining me. I get that there's a, a greater purpose. And I get that actually it's not really about me, but it's about uh, your power. And that your power can be, um, be magnified through my weaknesses, right? Um, and that, that it's made perfect through that. And so uh, Paul gets that. And um, yeah, uh, I love this quote. This is a Tim Keller, Tim Keller quote. He says this, uh, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have, right? You don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have, right? When things are stripped away and taken away and, and you know, all those things are, you feel like you have nothing, then you realize that, yeah, Jesus is enough, right? Jesus is enough. And, um, and that while pain and trials and suffering are, are hard to go through, um, they can teach us things at times, right? Um, so let's go um, a little bit more into this. Uh, let's go to James 1.4. Here's what he says here. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right? Some big, uh, lofty goals there. But what he's, he's talking about here is uh, more about um, uh, people that have endurance and consistency. He wants you to endure and be consistent in that because he knows, you know, that yes, we're faulty people and we're going we're gonna to mess up at times. But what does that look like practically? Um, one of the reasons I love coming to Acts is that we've got people that are just faithful in their faith and they've lived a long life and they've, you know, they're, they're ailing and they're getting older and their bodies are breaking down, but yet they see Sunday after Sunday, I know this is what we need to do. We need to come to be refreshed, to be refueled. And, um, and I'm starting to feel that way, all right? I'm 38. Uh, I just went in for my physical this last week and I'm starting to now, don't laugh at me if you're older than that, but uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel the, the pains of my body breaking down, okay? Yeah, uh, here's an example. So uh, I started, I know, I've started uh, going to this uh, Camp Gladiator to get in better shape. And as I've done it, I've started to, like, my heels started to hurt really badly. And I'm, like, thinking, man, I'm doing all this pounding. It must be, like, I must have cracked my heel bone. Like, this is just painful. And uh, I get out of bed and I'm kind of, you know, doing the, the horse, you know, uh, wobble. And uh, so I go to the doctor, I, I tell him about my things, and before he even looks at it, he goes, oh, I know what that is. It's plantar fasciitis. I'm like, oh, great. Is that bad? He goes, uh, no, it, it just means you're getting older and that you got to stretch a lot more. I'm like, oh, yeah. Got it. So, um, so part of the realities of life is that, yes, our bodies break down at times and we just have to take care of them better. Um, and, and so I learned that lesson. Um, but I'm okay now. All right. So, yeah, I've been doing my stretching. Um, but, yes, I think we can relate. And that this consistency and this endurance, right, is, is what uh, James is telling us here, that, that uh, people come week after week, not out of legalism, not because they have to, but out of a refined faith, that it's this refined faith that they've gone through the hard things of life and they've seen the value of, of how that faith has, has helped them um, through the tough stuff of life. And it, um, oftentimes I think we, we think that suffering puts us backward, that we, we feel like we're at a loss. But in this view, James tells us that suffering actually propels us, right? It leads us. It leads us closer to Jesus. It leads us deeper into faith. It helps us refine to become deeper, stronger people in, in him. And so uh, suffering actually makes you useful, right? Um, it's hard to be empathetic to other people unless you've suffered like them, right? And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 talks about this, that, that we're able to comfort those um, because we have dealt with that same thing. And so I think sometimes um, we can 
empathize and, and minister to people because we have uh, suffered like them. And um, uh, trials also bring freedom, right? Think about all the people that have suffered or, or gone through hard times for, for human rights or uh, for slavery or civil rights or, or just care for the outsiders, right? Uh, it's not always easy, but it's worth it, right? Um, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. Gay boys love C.S. Lewis, so I thought, oh, I'll put one of those up there too. So here we go. Um, I'm not sure God wants us to be happy. I think he wants us to love and to be loved, but we are like children thinking our toys will make us happy and the whole world is our nursery. Something must drive us out of that nursery and into the lives of others, and that something is suffering. Um, so what C.S. Lewis here is saying is that uh, suffering has a purpose sometimes, right? Um, that it helps to see the reality of that, that there's more to the life than this world, this temporary world where, where we just like to play, but it helps us to, to get into the lives of others and to, to realize, all right, we're in this together, that we're not alone, that, okay, I may be going through this, but so is somebody else, and how can I help them or minister to them as well, right? So, um, um, yeah. All right, let's go to an example. We'll keep going. Verses 5 through 8 now. We'll tackle those. Um, it says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Um, now, there's a lot of uh, big things here, and I think this might scare us at times of, oh, well, I, I doubt at times. Does that mean that... that Jesus won't love me? No, that's not what it's saying at all. Uh, this doubt is talking about when we have two allegiances and we say, all right, I believe in God, but I'm also really strong here and I'm going to uh, believe in myself or I'm going to believe in this other uh, deity or whatever it may be. And, and we, we say, no, uh, our allegiance is to, to Jesus and that's what this double mindedness is talking about. Um, now, uh, some suffering can be overcome with our own strength, but oftentimes it can't, right? It needs, it needs wisdom and it... it um, uh, it needs the power of God, right? Um, and so what does that look like practically? Here's verse 9. A couple little stories he says. Whoa. All right, I'll read it to you. Uh, here we go. Uh, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Um, basically what it's talking about is one Christian, uh, one poor Christian and one rich Christian and, and how uh, they have different lifestyles here on earth, but ultimately, guess what? They're both going to perish. They're both going to pass away, right? So what, what matters there? Um, and I think it's really talking more about identity, right? When we realize that our identity is what matters and not the things we have, um, that we can really uh, take heart in that. So example, um, uh, in our baptisms, you know, we believe that, that Jesus calls us, that he claims us, that he puts his seal on us. And he says, no, you are mine. You are a child of God. Uh, nothing can take you away from me. And um, I love you and that you are immensely worth something and so, so valuable, right? I think sometimes we, we switch those, right? And we say, I'm only valuable by the things I have or my comparison to other people and how good I am compared to what they are, or, you know, am I, am I performing better than them? Okay, now I feel good about, but guess what? That stuff will eventually fail and eventually falter and will fall into despair. 
And so what James is saying is here, don't value yourself based on those things, but value yourself based upon your identity um, and the things that will last. And that's Jesus coming um, and, and taking on you and, and, and loving you in that way. So, um, yeah. All right, last part here. Ready for this? Last part. This is uh, 13, 13 through 18. And this is the uh, main point here is, is we're redeemed only through the suffering of Christ, right? Only through the suffering of Christ. And so we take the suffering from ourselves and we say, all right, Jesus suffered. And what does that look like? And here's what that says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted for, from, by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let's go real quick to that. Um, I've got a little diagram, kind of arrow pointy thing. So here's kind of the natural progression that looks like, right? We all have evil desires within us, right? It comes from our sinful nature, um, lust, pride, greed. You don't have to look far to know that we have those things in our life, right? And those come out of us. Those aren't innately wrong, right? We haven't sinned yet, but they, they come out when we're enticed, when we're tempted by things. And it says here, we're not tempted by God. It's by the things of the world or by Satan, right? And when we're enticed, that is when we give in to sin, in our thoughts, and our words, our deeds, those kinds of things. And because of that, our sin ultimately leads us to death. Ultimately leads us to death, right? And you're thinking, man, that's harsh, but, but that's the reality, is that we, in our sin, are dead. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot do anything about that. Um, we need somebody to resurrect us, to, to save us, to bring us back from that. And that's where Jesus comes, and he breaks this chain. And here's where the rest of the verse goes on. Verse 16, do not be deceived, uh, my brothers, because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's talking about that every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? And that includes his salvation, and that includes his, his um, uh, conquering of that. So uh, the question is, well, does, does Jesus really test us? While he doesn't tempt us, at times he tests us, right? And that may include some of our suffering um, at times and, and allows that to happen. Um, I mean, just think through Scripture in certain ways, like uh, Abraham was, was tested, right, when he was told by God to give up his son and to sacrifice his son, and he passed that test. Um, Paul was tested um, through his thorn in the flesh that we talked about. Um, Jesus was tested in the desert for 40 days, right? There will be tests in our life, and, and God uses those to help us to grow and um, become stronger and to, to rely more on him in that. So I think that's a, a powerful uh, thing that we can learn. Um, I want to share one more quote with you, and... Uh, the powerful quote about the suffering of Jesus. It says this, God has chosen to save the world through the cross, through the shameful and powerless death of the crucified Messiah. If that shocking event is the revelation of the deepest truth about the character of God, then our whole way of seeing the world is turned upside down. All values are transformed. God refuses to play games of power and prestige on human terms. And so what we think should happen doesn't always happen in the, in, in the economy of God, right? And, and I think that's amazing that he um, doesn't come at it through power and coercion, but he comes 
at us and he saves us through humility by dying on a cross, by saying, I will give up my spirit for you because I love you um, and because you're worth something, right? And it's not about um, uh, power, but it's more about sacrifice. It's about sacrifice, right? Um, give you some example of that. Uh, so today's Mother's Day, right? We know this. Thank you to all our moms. Uh, that's uh, pretty amazing. And I've never experienced childbirth. Let me put that forward, all right? Be straight up front with that. But I have witnessed it, all right? Twice. Well, I guess one and a half. I was sick the second time, and so I witnessed it like this. But uh, the, <laughs> the first time, uh, I got to see my daughter Hannah being born and, and Carrie uh, give birth, and I was just like, whoa. You know, and I'm trying to help out as much as possible. I paid attention in those birthing classes where they, they help you breathe and all that. And I'm trying to do that. And Carrie's just like, shut up, be quiet. <laughs> You're distracting me. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll just stay back here. But, but I, I realized, you know, the immense pain and suffering that that was of, of giving birth to a child. Like, uh, it shouldn't happen, but it happens, right? And it's just, it's an amazing miracle, right? But, uh, but uh, a couple weeks later, uh, she's holding Hannah, and we're talking, and she goes, you know, I could do this again. I'm like, wait, what? Did you just witness what I witnessed a couple weeks ago? That looked painful, but yet you, you're ready to do that again? Wow. And I think that's really what this is about when we talk about suffering is that, yes, pain comes, suffering comes, trials come, but joy comes in the morning, right? And then we, we grow through those, we become stronger through those, but we endure those because we know something greater is coming. Is coming. Something greater um, is worth it, right? Uh, I want to share one more verse for you that talks exactly about this and compares our waiting to childbirth. And it comes from Romans chapter 8, and it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing to the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who was subjected in it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for, as a, for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. So may we, in this time of, of trials and suffering in our life, we'll have different seasons. Some will be greater than others. But may we know um, that the hope, that we live in hope, that Jesus knows that your pain, that he walks with you. That's the greatest thing. The incarnation is, is that Jesus didn't come to just say, I'm taking all hope away. But he experienced pain and suffering. He came down so he knows what you're going through, Right? And that he will one day come to bring great joy to all who endure in the sufferings of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we take great joy in suffering. Um, it seems countercultural, but, but in James's words, we know that suffering and trials produce in us depth, that we, we can know you better and that we can participate in the sufferings that, that you endured for us on the cross. And so, Lord, um, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you have done, that you have overcome sin, death, and the devil, and that you have given us uh, a joy that will be everlasting as we await that one day. 
But in this time, Lord, I pray for anyone going through trials that you would give them comfort and peace, that you would surround them with the community, that they would know that they're not alone and that, that um, they would endure um, patiently in this. And so, Lord, um, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.